Hey everyone, this is Patrick Albin from the SPMI podcast, and you are listening to episode number six. So thank you guys for joining. Today we have a really important topic we're going to discuss. In fact, it is one of the most overemphasized skills that athletes, coaches, and parents emphasize uh, for performance. And that skill that I want to get into today is focusing, or what oftentimes we refer to as concentration. Now, when I'm talking about concentration, a lot of times when athletes or I get approached this topic of concentration, it has to do with a lack thereof. Meaning I will hear from athletes saying, you know, I just lose focus in these key moments or I just feel like I'm not focused enough throughout the competition. And we have to really understand what focusing is and how it's helpful and what we may be doing to actually make it worse. So I want to talk a little bit about that today. I mean, we could talk for a long period of time on many topics, but I just want to kind of go over that today because it's such an important area and I want to shed some clarity on what you can do with your focus to be able to improve your performance and also to improve your enjoyment of competition. So first I want to talk about one of the most common areas of sports psychology, and that is when we refer to what's called attentional focus. Now, attentional focus is really the micro level of concentration. So what that means is we're talking about a focusing period during competition when an athlete is about to partake in an immediate competitive moment. So in other words, it's during competition. And we can look at many different sports, but I think uh, just to keep it simple, we'll stick with just a few. And I wanna break down um, attentional focus into the main four areas. And let's use, I don't know, let's use baseball as an example, and we can use kind of jump around with a couple other sports. But let's take a baseball player. And let's take a baseball player who is at the plate, and we're going to run through these four areas. So the, four, the first part of attentional focus is called broad external. Okay, so broad external, what this means is this is when the baseball player either just steps into the box, or he may even be approaching the box, but let's say he just steps in, and when he steps in, he's assessing now what is going on around him. And not a lot, but he's just understanding, okay, well, how many guys are on base? Most likely he knew that before, right? Because he was on the batter circle, uh, the on-deck circle. But, you know, he's assessing, you know, where the pitcher is. Maybe emotionally he can kind of tell a little bit uh, based on his confidence. Um, He can assess, for example, if there are any particular play calls by the coach. Um, And he goes through this little process, and it doesn't take long. He can assess where the gaps are in the field. But then after that... He then goes into, or I should say, why he's doing while he's doing that, he also um, is utilizing what's called broad internal. So broad external is with the eyes. Okay, so the eyes he's assessing, meaning he's looking at those different parts of the field. He's looking at his coach. He's looking at the pitcher. But broad internal is now with his thoughts in regards to the general uh, thoughts and emotions that are occurring in performance. So in other words, now he's kind of assessing his approach to the next pitch and his approach to the at-bat. Now, after broad internal, this then goes into narrow external and narrow internal. Now, 
is there a particular sequence to this if I were to say, okay, well, which steps should the baseball player go through? Well, let's say, okay, first he does broad internal, broad internal, as I mentioned before, he's mentally assessing what's going on from a broad standpoint. That occurs more than anything in the very early stage. So as I mentioned, the on-deck circle or when they step up in the box, but then comes the broad external, which can kind of occur simultaneously, right? Because he needs the visual feedback. But now once we get into the um, internal component of it, now it becomes narrow internal. Okay, narrow internal is now when the batter is getting very, very, very close to hitting or going after the first pitch. So at this moment now, he's not thinking about really anything. Okay, he's maybe thinking about one thing and that's it, which is solid content, uh, sorry, solid contact, um, as well as now he steps into what's the narrow external. And the narrow external is really when he's focusing just on one thing with his eyes. So for most hitters, it would be the ball. Okay, so he has this process where it's narrow internal and narrow external, right? And this is what happens near the very end or right at the moment or right before the moment when he's hitting the ball. And, you know, these are the four components. And of course, we want to be organized with it, but we don't, we definitely don't want to be overthinking about these things. It's not something that I'll tell any athlete to say, hey, you know, you got to go through these sequences and you have to really remember these steps because, of course, that can override the um, natural subconscious components of performance. In other words, it can slow down our performance if we're thinking about too much. So I wanted to share that first because I want you guys to understand how this process works. So just real briefly, again, I think I kind of chopped that up, but you have broad external, which means, okay, you are first assessing what's in front of you in general. And then you have broad internal, which means now you're getting ideas and understanding about how you're going to approach the competitive situation. And then you go into narrow internal, which means now you are minimizing your thoughts to just one simple thought that's in the moment in front of you. And finally, narrow external, which at this point with many top athletes, your mind is quiet. You have little to no thoughts at all. And you're just really using your eyes to focus on that target and everything else is occurring more subconsciously, which means at this point for a high-level athlete, their training is taking over, right? So that's the step-by-step -step process. Now, this, uh, this struggle with many athletes when I, when I work with them, from the outside, it looks like the problem is occurring there. It looks like the problem is occurring when you know, they're at the plate, during the pitch, and something is going wrong. Um, or, you know, the tennis player is about to serve or, you know, the golfer is going through his pre-shot routine. Now he's hitting the shot. But a lot of times the problem doesn't reside at the micro level. And that's really what we need to look at. Because what happens is that what we're doing is we're looking at symptoms, right? When, when we look at that, we're like, oh, the symptom is this because he wasn't focused right there in that moment. He should have been focused more on the pitch. And if he was focused more on the pitch, he would have gotten a hit. But that's a symptom. That's not the cause. You know, sometimes it is. Sometimes we can say, okay, let's make a little bit of adjustments. But a lot of times it's not. So we need to now look at it more from a macro level, which means we got to step back and say, okay, what are the other things outside of this particular moment that are causing this drop in attentional focus or this drop in concentration?
And that's a, a big area that I want to touch on a little bit today. So let's talk a, lot, a little bit about that right now. So first, what I want to talk about is what's called glucose depletion. Okay, so we're going to talk about the, the physical nature of concentration. Okay, so glucose depletion is basically, um, we'll just talk about glucose. Glucose is a sugar that acts as the brain's primary fuel source when it comes to focus, memory, and overall learning. So think of it this way. It is a fuel source for the brain. Now, I want to go back very briefly because I, I told you that one of the biggest struggles among athletes is that they overemphasize or they are overemphasized to the point that, hey, you got to focus more. You're not focused enough. But if that's the case, then what we're learning now is that our brain has, is it has a dependency off of glucose. So then what happens if the athlete is constantly focusing really, really hard on one thing for a long period of time? Well, they get tired, right? Their mind gets tired. It's like, you know, if you have someone who's studying for an exam and they're studying for nine hours, hours straight, well, how many of those hours are actually valuable versus how many of those are just, you know, they're not helpful. So we have to understand that it's not always a good thing to focus all the time. And that's because of glucose depletion. Um, the other thing about glucose is that, you know, it, it is our, our brain's energy source. And although our brain is uh, very, very light in comparison to the rest of our body, in fact, we know that it only weighs 2% of our entire body mass, it does make up 20% of all energy consumption. So it actually consumes over 20% of that glucose throughout our body, which is pretty amazing, 2%. Uh, of this weight in our body is actually consuming 20%, one fifth of everything that's going through it. So it's just a, you know, it's, it's just a guzzler, a gas guzzler for, uh, for energy. So that's the other reason why, Hey, you know, we don't want to tell athletes or as an athlete, you don't want to be like, Hey, I got to be super focused all the time. You're going to get tired. And most likely as an athlete, you've noticed that, you know, it's like, you know, if, if I'm overly focused at some point, you're going to have a drop in focus and a lot of times it'll occur mid to late way into uh, your competition. Um, so that's one of the big parts there. The second problem has to do with, with what's called the monkey mind. <laughs> this sounds kind of silly, but I love the monkey mind. I talk quite a bit about this little monkey. Um, the monkey mind is now what we're getting into. What's the emotional struggle of the brain? Remember, we're talking about the macro level and we have the physical, which is the glucose depletion. Then you have the emotional, which is what we call the monkey mind. Well, what is the monkey mind? Well, first off, the monkey mind, it is uh, or was originated from China. Okay. And it's based on the feeling of an athlete um, when they're, they feel unsettled or restless or even confused. And, you know, the, the brain's monkey mind, we, we call monkey mind, is actually our brain's fear signal. It's, it's the brain's amygdala. And what happens is that this part of our brain is highly, highly sensitive because it's there to protect us from danger. But, you know, our brain um, is so advanced, yet it still doesn't, you know, it's not programmed to help us in sports. And what happens a lot of times is that athletes will struggle with their focus because their brain's monkey mind or the amygdala is just overactive. And, you know, what we have to do is we have to train it. But that's one of the big struggles too, is, you know, you have this athlete or we can take the baseball player who is needs to focus on the first pitch. But if someone's telling him, Hey, you got to focus all the time. You got to focus. Well, well, a lot of times that can turn into anxiety, 
right? Because then there's this fear of not being focused enough. And then what comes from that? So the emotional struggle is really, really big for many, many athletes. Um, the other part too, uh, which is the second struggle I want to talk about when it comes to hurting concentration is what's called the utilitarian mind. Now the utilitarian mind is kind of similar to the monkey mind, but it's different. So, okay, think of it like this. The monkey mind is the part of our brain, you know, the, the way it works is that it is um, looking out for our best interest, making sure that we're safe, that we're not going to make a mistake. And it will be, it's very irrational. It will start to give us these thoughts and these worries that, I mean, if we weren't in competition in that moment, we know they're lies, but at that moment they feel real. So then it makes us second guess. It makes us overthink. Of course, that breaks our concentration levels and then our performance goes down. But the utilitarian mind is different because the utilitarian mind has to do with being hyper-focused on just one thing all the time. One thing all the time. Like, okay, well, I need to get a hit today. I need to win today. So if they're focused on this one thing all the time, what does that do? Well, going back to the physical part of it, it also requires lots of energy. So then it can hurt performance. But then there's bigger issues with this utilitarian mind because not only can it lower performance levels, uh, focus levels, but the other part of it is that it can increase anxiety, okay, and actually it will replace our enjoyment with worry. So imagine instead of an athlete being more in a relaxed state with their focus, now because they're in this hyper state all the time, the anxiety increases. So now what happens, of course, is that they're not enjoying it so much. So that's the other struggle with utilitarian mind. And then lastly, or not lastly, there's actually a couple more, but the other big thing is that when an athlete um, is focused on one thing a lot, um, it can actually uh, create a lack of empathy within that person, which means now they have difficulty feeling for others. And maybe that doesn't sound so bad in sports, but it can be a problem with team sports. And it can be a problem with an athlete's team, uh, even with parents. You know, if they're just focused on one thing the whole time and you're wondering, well, why isn't it that my son or daughter is not um, more compassionate? It's because they're hyper-focused on one thing. So I'll give a really good example of this. Let's take uh, a CEO of a big company or maybe, you know, they are responsible for multiple companies. Well, what happens a lot of times is because they have such big responsibilities, they are focused on you know, these one things, actually it's more than one thing, but they're so hyper-focused on their companies that throughout the day, that's all they're doing, that's all they're thinking about, that's all they have planned in their agenda. And then for them to just shut that off is so difficult. So let's say that you have uh, this uh, CEO, this business owner, let's say it's a top 500, a Fortune 500 company. And let's say that now, you know, he has his daughter's 10-year-old, you know, 10-year-old um, birthday party uh, on a Saturday. Well, physically, he can go there, but most likely he's not going to be able to feel the way he wants to feel for his daughter and enjoy it because his mind is still back at the corporate office. His mind is still at work. And that's a big struggle. So what I'm getting at right now is that, okay, many athletes, they actually know how to focus really well. So if you, if you think about it, like most athletes, when you say, hey, they don't know how to focus well. No, it's, it's not that they don't know how to focus. It's that they don't know how to focus the right way, which means... They understand how to be hyper-focused on what they need to do, but it's so hyper-focused that it creates performance anxiety. 
And then they struggle with being able to detach from that. That's the problem. So think about that as you're listening is it's not about saying, okay, well, my athlete doesn't know how to focus. No, here she knows how to focus on what she needs to do because she does it every day. But the problem is she doesn't know how to let go of that type of focus when the meaning changes, when she feels more pressure. So that's the other part of the utilitarian mind and, of course, the monkey mind as well. And then lastly, the other big problem with the utilitarian mind is that because the athlete is so hyper-focused all the time on that one thing or on many things that it can also relate to what's called uh, chronic stress. Now, unlike what many athletes are told, stress um, in general is not dangerous. It's not something that hurts the athlete. However, the one type of stress that is dangerous is chronic stress. And that is just stress that the athlete experiences consistently throughout long periods of time. So I'd be like, all right, this athlete is really worried about whether or not um, she can make this team next week or in a couple weeks. And she's just been thinking about all the time, every day, not sure. Or we'll even take a, a very common scenario that I've faced quite a bit with many athletes. And that's with the whole COVID situation and the uncertainty about the future and how many athletes are unsure about their schedules and if they're going to have a season this year and if they're going to, you know, the ones who are in college, if they're going to be able to go for a draft and have a chance to go pro or the ones who are in high school, can I get a scholarship because now there are less scholarships available because now all these athletes who are supposed to have graduated have now been redshirted and now they may come the next year. So there's less spots on the team. So there's all these things going on. So for these athletes, they're focused, highly focused on just this one thing. And it's over and over throughout the entire day. They're just worrying about it or we can say focusing, right? They're focusing on it and that can lead to chronic stress. And then what does chronic stress do? It can weaken the athlete's immune system, breaks it down. They're more likely to get sick. They're more likely to feel bad. So over-concentration is not good. So make that very clear. Um, if you're doing it or, you know, you know, been accidentally doing, I don't think anyone plans to do this, of course, just understand that there are better, better ways of handling it. And, um, you know, that's what we work on definitely at SPMI. I love to help athletes with this. I, I love to give them a place where they are enjoying performance. They can be present throughout the day. They're not feeling this dependency that they need to focus on this one thing all the time. It's all, it almost becomes superstitious where it's like, oh, if I, if I don't focus on all the time, then I'm going to forget and I'm going to fall behind. But to be able to let go is one of the key skills, components to it. And that's what I want to do next. I want to get into some solutions on how to break this habit. So as I mentioned before, okay, concentration, one of the most overemphasized skills, right? It's one of the skills, hey, you need to do more of. But remember, what I'm telling everyone now is it's not about not concentrating enough. It's actually about a lot of times concentrating too much on the wrong things and not developing the skill of being able to what we call detach or let go to take breaks. So let's go into some of the solutions. First solution, let's go back to the physical, right? Glucose depletion, that was a, a big one. So remember, you know, if we're focusing a lot, we lose energy, it's more difficult to focus. But, you know, what we can do, or what many athletes can do is, you know, in, improve your diet, improve your nutrition, meaning many athletes will add snacks, ways of fueling their body so that they can get more good glucose. 
So some examples of that would be like having peanut butter, which sounds kind of funny, peanut butter or bananas or apples. Uh, those are great fuel sources because one, they're natural, um, you know, they're not processed. So that means they're not highly uh, induced with sugar or other chemicals um, and your body can break it down better. And, you know, that's another really powerful way of getting some glucose and managing those levels more. So for example, a golfer could go on the course and make sure he has those snacks and it doesn't have to be a snack. It could be even a, a sandwich or something and just take a couple of bites every now and then to keep those levels higher, which by the way, not only does it improve concentration, it also manages the stress levels more, right? So the stress and anxiety goes down, which helps as well. So it, it helps in multiple ways. So clarity of focus, feeling better. Also, of course, feeling better emotionally. Um, so that's a big part. So, but you know, by me saying this, uh, I always, always highly uh, encourage and actually recommend that you first speak to uh, a professional in nutrition, right? Someone to work with that can help organize a program for you for that. I don't really get into that with my athletes. We talk briefly about it, uh, and then I refer them to someone else, another professional. But that's something you can look at and address from a physical standpoint. Now let's move to the emotional and the mental. So the second solution is one that is really taking off with many athletes. Um, we go into a lot of detail with this in my program that I have with the athletes that I work with. Um, but one of the big solutions is to, is to meditate. Um, meditation is a very powerful tool that has helped uh, my athletes tremendously. And one of the big benefits of meditation is that athletes are, to develop, are able to develop a skill called um, stillness. Stillness is the ability for an athlete to really be in such a present state that their mind is very quiet. They become unattached to any strong emotions, feelings, and they're very, as I mentioned, present. Um, but in addition to that, they also are able to detach from unwanted thoughts and worries. So really what this means is that through meditation, the athlete can now develop the ability to let go of being over-focused. In fact, what they're doing is they're training their mind to do the opposite of what they usually do throughout the entire day. Most of the day, they're centered on something or many things, but now we can let go. So yeah, meditation is a great skill for that. There's also many other things that we work on. But that is um, one component that athletes can do. And if you, if you practice meditation, you can practice it uh, for as little as 10 minutes a day. That's what research shows to improve performance. So it's not something that you need to do for hours and hours at a time. However, uh, I do have to put a disclaimer. However, yes, the longer you meditate, the more time you dedicate, the better the results. Just like everything, right? To a point. So that's another really big uh skill that, that's super helpful for many athletes I work with. And more specifically, uh, there are many different types of meditation, but mindfulness meditation is great. So um, that's an excellent one. Uh, you can you know, find uh, different apps on the phone or the, on your phone to use for, you know, for your meditation. Uh, also, you can even go on YouTube. There are some great exercises there as well uh, to get in the habit of that. Yeah, so another important solution that I want to address has to do with how you allocate your attention, your focus, your concentration. So remember I mentioned before that one of the big struggles is athletes are focusing too much on one thing or many things for long periods of time. Well, the other big solution is to 
create a routine where you are focusing, okay, with obviously the high level intensity, that's fine, but you're focusing for shorter durations, for shorter periods of time. Okay, so, you know, let's take the baseball player again. Remember, we went through the four quadrants, right? Okay, so we have the broad external, broad internal, right? Narrow internal, narrow external. Instead of being so narrow all the time, and even broad, you want to step out and be completely present. So one of the easiest ways to let go of that is just to center your focus on your breathing. Right? If you focus on your breathing, that really helps to relax the mind and detach the athlete from his or her worries. Because what happens is that when an athlete focuses on their breathing, they are choosing to focus on an area that is always present. Right? If you're focusing on your breathing, it's always present. That means your mind's not racing. Because remember, if you're nervous about something, then your focus is in the future. Right? Most of the time it's in the future. If you are upset about something or you're down, it's because your thoughts, your concentration is in the past. But if you're on your breathing, right, you're focusing on that area, then that is a great way to just detach and let go and give your mind a break. Okay, so those are some examples. Um, and you know you can kind of advise that, like I said, that's more of a micro level. Once again, we're going back to micro, meaning during competition, but then outside of competition too, setting up times throughout your week or day that are downtime moments that you can say, hey, I'm rewarding myself for this, or I earn this, or this is even better. The mindset is this is a part of my training, right? This is what I choose to do for the next hour or two because it is good for me. And it could be anything. We have, uh, you could go and do a, a workout that's not specific to your sport, but it's something that you enjoy. Like you're going to go um, biking or skiing or something that's just fun that takes your mind off of it. Um, you know, you can take a little vacation, um, you know, day trip somewhere, but just reward yourself with that because it's so important to understand the value of not over concentrating and really not uh, over emphasizing the importance of it. Right? Because here's the last part I really want to touch on. If an athlete is overemphasizing concentration all the time, then also what they're doing is they are changing the relationship that they have with concentration. That means they're changing the meaning that they have with it. So if we overemphasize anything and say, hey, you know what, like concentration is super important. What we're doing now is we're saying, okay, this is rare and it's so valuable that you don't want to mess up. And what does that do? That actually invites fear. So should athletes be concentrated, absolutely focused? Definitely. But we want to make sure that the meaning isn't implied in a way that is fight, fight or uh, fight, flight or freeze, right? That it's like life or death. That's not good. Right? So change the meaning of it and value, value the other part of it, value the mini breaks, <laughs> taking like a little mini couple second breaks in between during competition or a minute or two, depending on the sport and say, hey, this is my time, right? You can even say, look, this is my time. I'm going to enjoy this, right? And value it just as much as you do when you have to be focused on that particular part of competition, right? So we spoke about the micro level. Remember the micro level is your focus, you know, you're in competition. You have those four components we spoke about of attentional focus, but then you have the macro level. And please understand that the macro level oftentimes is the one that is really causing the struggle of concentration. And then what you're seeing is the micro part of it. 
So most coaches, they work from the micro level, which is still important, definitely important, but the macro is really uh, where the struggle resides for most athletes. All right, so that was a little insight on concentration. We'll definitely revisit that topic and go into more details at some point. But I do want to mention a couple things. First off, um, if anyone has not had a chance to go over to YouTube and check out the new um, new YouTube channel, it's called SPMI TV. So SPMI TV, it's excellent. Uh, There you will see the video part of this podcast. In fact, it's not even a a podcast. You're going to see the video uh, version that has all the effects and details and b-roll and just it's it's more entertaining most likely so that's another great one Um, and definitely please share that with other athletes uh, coaches or parents that you feel need this this is why i do it i I don't get paid for this but this is something that i love to offer my knowledge to be able to help the masses help as many of you as possible Uh, secondly uh, there's also an Instagram. I haven't mentioned that in a little while, but there's an Instagram company page. It's called Sports Mental Training. It's all one word, Sports Mental Training. That also has a lot of great content. And um, yeah, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, please do. I'm uploading content weekly um, on this podcast as well as on the YouTube channel. And then lastly, uh, definitely you know check out the website. I'll put the link below to this and check out the website because it's great uh you know if you need or you feel like you you know anyone who needs services to help them really get to the next level so it's not just about saying hey you know what i have a problem no you could be doing great in your sport but you feel like there's just a little bit more that's missing then definitely go to the website and check it out i have worked with so many athletes in over 80 different sports and this program has helped them tremendously so check that out and then lastly be on the lookout for a really amazing program that's coming out in the next couple months. Um, and we'll discuss that more as we get closer to that part. But thank you guys for joining. And um, yep, we'll be, be back again same time next week. Have a great week, everyone. And until then. <laughs>